Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. I've been there where I want to do something I ain't got no business. And something just moved and God gave me the grace to wait. Waiting doesn't mean inactivity. Um, And so one of the greatest things that a believer can do is wait with diligence versus complacency. Because uh, wait is expectation that even though God hasn't done it yet, that you can wait on him. And um, he may have you wait till eternity. And some stuff he'll unleash on you now. So amen. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Keep the Mobley family lifted. Um, Vernon and Pascal, they lost their twin daughters last week. So keep them lifted and surround them with your prayers and love and concern um, as they grieve and trust God through this difficult season. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6.15. Ephesians 6, verse 15. Reads. One, two, three, go. And your feet stand up with readiness for the gospel of peace. That's it for today. But it's more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. I want to talk about today from this text, fighting the enemy with peace. How to fight the enemy with peace. Lord, we thank you um, for peace like a river. Lord God, we trust you that you will give us the audacity to use a slept-on weapon as a mechanism for being stabilized and strengthened in you. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer in whom we trust. And Lord, give power. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I don't know if you had a loud household, but my household could be loud at times. And I don't know if you had a mother that had the gift of checking out of the noise. But every now and then, when she wasn't checked out, and she got 
sick of fussing and arguing and fighting, she would make sort of this sovereign statement in the house that would make the entire house stand still. And I know most of us in here know those eternal words that each of us must heed. I need some peace. Amen. Somebody say, and quiet. That's a mother. She says, it's got to be both. Um, it's got to be both. Um, what, what's fascinating to me is that this text talks about being strong in the Lord and his vast strength. In verse 10. But what even but, but, but what bewilders me is that in this text, it names a lot of things that I think would be a weapon. The word of God, um, uh, 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 you know, salvation and, 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 and all of the other different things that's in the text. But it would seem confusing that peace would be a weapon. Uh, how in the world is peace a weapon? But as we study the text and we study the vast nature of what the text is saying, we'll begin to see the glory and beauty of how peace is a weapon, fighting the enemy with peace. Number one, we got a lot of ground to cover. Number one and only point, if you're going to fight the enemy with peace, number one, you got to recognize that the more peace we stand in, the more stable we are. The more peace we stand in, the more stable we are. It says in the verse, it says, and your feet sandaled. Now, I know you, you, you remember the old translation. I don't know if I ever knew what that meant. When it says, and having thy feet shod. Look at Sister Dale, you like that, don't you? Shod. <laughs> shod. Shod. I was like, I, don't, I never knew what in the world shod me. I didn't know it was trying to say shade or I didn't know what was going on. Shod. But it means sandaled. Um, another way to put it is tightly tied. Yeah, tightly tied. Um, because what's interesting, um, he uses imagery of a warrior not only having shoes on, but on tight. Why? Because a soldier needed stability. Because with all that you will go through as a soldier, the big, one of the biggest things that you need your life on in a battle is that your sandals all the way up to your knees are tied extremely tight for you to be able to have stability. Somebody say have stability. In our lives as believers, <coughs> there's a lot in your life that would attempt to bankrupt your stability. Now I know y'all not gonna talk back because it's a teaching message, but I'm letting you know that in your life you will have things that will attempt, the enemy will use to bankrupt your stability. And in bankrupting your stability, it, it, in, other, in other words, stability is the ability to remain unmoved even though hell breaks loose. That, that, that's what stability means. Stability assumes that something's going to happen. Therefore, I need to be in a place where everything is not easily moved. 
And so when you look at this re reality, one of the greatest things that the devil uses to make you unstable is where your emotions are. Where you are on your emotional quotient lets you know how much peace you're walking in. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Let me give a few examples. Some of us are emotionally reactionary. Oh, ain't nobody gonna talk back right there. You know, you know, you know some of us are just reactionary. Every single thing that happened, we have a strong and hard reaction to what happens in our life. In other words, it, it's some, some try to hide behind artsy, you know, I'm artsy and I'm, I'm sort of a, a free spirit. Now, now some of y'all, that's really a good thing, um, but spiritually, it's not good to be a mental nomad. And I'm not getting on mental health issues, so please don't press back on that because there are legitimate things that people deal with that we're not shaming in saying this. But what I'm saying is, is many of us shoot from the hip when it comes to our emotions because our emotions aren't tied up with the right stuff. And because our emotions ain't tied up with the right stuff, as soon as something happens, we have a reaction that's not biblical in the eyes of the Lord. But not only that, some of us make bad decisions. Because, I, because we, make we make prayerless decisions. See, when, you, when, you're not, when, you, when your feet aren't shod, if you will, or they're not, a rap, they're not, they're, they're not tied tight, what will end up happening is you'll make bad decisions because you make prayerless decisions because you think your decision making quickly is going to solve what you're not willing to have the spiritual maturity to wait on God for. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. In other words... When you're not walking in God's peace in this area of your life, it, it reminds me, I've been reading um, um, some things for my devotional time. One of the things I've been reading on devotionally is <clears throat> how Christ is viewed in other cultures, just, just to learn. And as I'm, as I'm going through the Word, you know, in, in this book it talks about in cultures that have spiritual ancestral systems, <clears throat> one of the things that will happen when people ha you know, uh, uh, end up becoming a Christian, the pastors were talking about how frustrating it was for them that their people wouldn't wait on God. Now, what, what is he talking about? When something difficult happened in their life before they became a believer, <clears throat> they would go to the shaman or the priestess or the, the voodoo doctor. And they would go there quickly for quick solutions because they were waiting on a quick response because they're used to a quick response. So when they become a Christian and you told them that Jesus was superior to all of those forces out there, then surely Jesus Christ moves faster than the shaman. Surely Jesus Christ moves faster than the ancestors. So when they become a believer, <coughs> they, they don't learn the principle of patience and peace. And so I know this ain't got nothing to do with America, but <clears throat> what happens is, is instead of trusting the Lord, they will backpedal into stuff that used to be mechanisms of satisfaction to help them to get results that they think they want quickly, not knowing that it makes a worse mess in their life. But if they learn how to wait on the Lord, sometimes the waiting on the Lord is not for the thing that you're believing him for, but the process of what he's doing in your life in the waiting period. And so, and so, and so in our lives, you gotta be careful of making Bad and quick decisions because you refuse to let God be God in your life. <laughs> Hair trigger anger. 
Oh, you know how to set it off. And then you try to add in Jesus' name. <laughs> you, you known as the turn up king and queen. You understand? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if something gonna pop off, it's gonna pop off with you, hair trigger anger. <laughs> not only that, you're not in a secret place. You don't get with the Lord regularly. These are things that when your sandals aren't tied, happens. Easily emotionally displaced. The devil can tell you any old little thing and, and instead of having defense mechanisms in place, you are drawn into it in ways that you shouldn't have been drawn into it because you didn't have the proper sandaling in place. And believing lies without much work from the enemy, same thing, and then pushing people and things out of your life that you need. See, when you don't have spiritual maturity and you don't understand tightening up tight with the sandal, what will what, happen is, is God will have good in your life and because you already think you know what good is in your life, what you'll do is you'll look for people that will affirm what you really want even though it may not have anything to do with the kingdom and what you'll begin doing is putting people in your life that have no good advice for you, no good truth for you, no good life for you, but when somebody uh, tells you what you need to hear from the scriptures in order to help you to be saddled upright, you'll treat them like the enemy instead of the fools that you already agree with. But, but we got to tighten up your sandals. Look at somebody say, tighten up your sandals. So this ultimately comes from, <laughs> this ultimately comes from Isaiah 52, 7. Isaiah 52, 7. And Isaiah 52, 7, it says, how beautiful are, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald or preacher who proclaims peace, who brings news of good tidings, who proclaims salvation who says to Zion, your God reigns. <clears throat> what I like about this passage <laughs> is that Paul is pulling on it. Now what's strange is this herald seems happy. Now, I don't know if I would be happy if I'm climbing mountains to tell you something. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. But what's interesting is that the herald, the herald is walking on difficult terrain. And even though the herald, help me today, God, is walking on difficult terrain, the terrain that they're walking on doesn't seem as bad because of how happy they are about the message that they have. In, in, another, in, other, in other words, the message of peace and proclamation of the beauty of the good news is so beautiful that it doesn't seem like they're going through any difficulty like they would be. It doesn't seem like they're going through as much pain because there's peace there that, and there's real pain there, but the, the, but the surpassing knowledge and the supremacy of the good news is so mighty and so powerful in their life that it gives them the ability on broken terrain to be able to step strong. That's another aspect of the sandal. It's not just the tie up part of the sandal, but it's what's under it. Because this sandal had spikes on it so that when you walked on, uh, on difficult terrain, you weren't easily moved by the terrain. And so the beauty and glory of God's message in walking through hard places is this life, you're going to walk through hard places. Christian, look at me. You are going to, without understanding what God is doing, with no answers and no clarity, walk through hard places. 
The question isn't, are we going to walk through hard places? The question is, who has you while you walk through those hard places? You'll walk through loss. You'll even walk through death. You'll walk through health challenges. You'll walk through heartbreak. You'll walk through different types of breakdown, and you'll walk through seasons of spiritual dryness. But the question on the floor isn't whether those things or whether or not those things are going to happen in your life. The question is, how tied are you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? That doesn't mean you lack honesty in what you're going through. The beauty of God bringing peace is he reconciles, and I'll say this in a second, he reconciles things that don't make sense. We'll see that in a second. But he says, <coughs> interesting, have your feet sandaled with readiness. I like that. With readiness. Now that seems a little weird, with readiness. But readiness means full preparation. In other words, when he talks about readiness or full preparation, it points to the reality of the fact that we're soldiers. And in pointing to the fact that we're soldiers in readiness, that means a soldier is like ready for something to pop off at any moment. In other words, a soldier doesn't, in battle, take off your battle clothes. As a matter of fact, my father would tell me about World War II, would blow my mind what they would have to do. He said when they had to relieve themselves while fighting, they had to relieve themselves while fighting. Because turning your back and paying attention to relief can actually kill, get you killed if you don't keep your mind focused on the battle. And then you had to watch out for the other one when they needed to take care of other different things. In other words, they, they, they knew that there was a readiness within that because you couldn't wait to bomb start dropping and then put on your war clothes. You already have to have on your war clothes at all times. Therefore, as the believer, you're no longer a civilian. So in other words, your life's not regular like everybody else. Okay, you're looking at me funny. Because 2 Timothy 2 says you are a soldier. Now, in understanding that we're a soldier, some of us covet what unbelievers get to enjoy and get away with because we have the Holy Spirit don't let us get away with stuff. And so we kind of looking at God funny because other people get to experience and do stuff that we don't get to do. And we like, we walking with you and we doing stuff. So why we don't have it like the devil been blessing them, God? Because I don't understand why you letting this happen to me. Why? Because you're no longer a civilian. Now let me explain that to you. It reminds me of when I was growing up. When I was growing up, you know, I tell my mom and dad, I come in the house, I say, mom, mom, can I, dad, can I blah, 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 what, 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 what tell them what I want? They're like, uh, no. And I'd be like, well, mom, Alvin and Kevin and Yusef, they get to do it. Listen, and my dad stops eating his Salisbury steak. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Or liver and onion, you know how. My dad, my dad from South Carolina. <laughs> and what he would do is he'd put his fork down and he'd wipe his Clinton South Carolina lip and he'd look at me and say well son I don't care what everybody else is doing in their house because they do that in their house and secondly they don't have my name and because they don't have my name, I'm not responsible for them. 
but because you have my name and you live in my house, you will do what I ask you to do because you belong to me and you're in my house. Well, that's the same thing God tells you when you start covering your old lifestyle. That's the same thing God tells you when you start wondering why you don't get to do what you want to do because what God tells you is he wipes his eternal lips and he looks at you. He said, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what they're doing because why? You bear my name and my name is upon you and I'm letting you know that because you represent me, you can't do what you want to do you're no longer a civilian you're no longer a civilian I like 2 Timothy 2 3 it says share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life So walking in peace many times means avoiding what civilians, what's civilian in nature. People in relationships that you got to avoid. Uh-oh. Places you got to avoid. Amen. Situations and vices that you have to avoid. All right, we're going to move past that. We're in the last part. This is the doozy right here. We'll be we talking about this idea of fighting with peace. It says, for the gospel of peace. That's what these shoes are. They are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, Paul uses the Greek word here, irene. Now, irene means peace, but you got to remember that Paul was a Hebrew. So although he's using a Greek word, he has Hebrew ideas in his mind when he says it. So when he talks about irene, he's actually talking about shalom. Now, what is shalom? Shalom isn't the absence of conflict in your life. It's the ability to have conflict and it not have maximum effect on you while you're in it. In other words, it's the ability to have tranquility in the midst of adversity. Okay. It, it, It also means, shalom means God putting stuff in your life in order, in the midst of orderlessness in your life. In other words, a whole bunch of stuff can be going on around you, but on the inside of you, the effect of the outside is not as damaging on the inside because of the grace and peace that God has placed in you. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but have you ever been in a situation where you should have lost your mind? Have you ever been in a situation where hell was breaking loose on steroids, but in the midst of it at times, you was trying to understand, man, I should be losing my ever-loving mind, but in some way, shape, or form, I'm being kept, I'm being held together. I mean, I'm being stabilized. I'm being held in place all because of the goodness of God in the gospel. (laughs) That's that's why I like when Jesus says, peace be still. I've always tried to wonder, how do I interpret that statement? Now, is he saying, Peace, be still. In other words, peace now, everything be still. Or is he saying peace is present, I'm just telling you to be still now. Somebody gonna get that on the way home. In other words, I wonder is peace already there, but he's telling everything to submit to the peace that already exists. 
See, see, see that, that's the thing about God. God loves allowing hot, fiery, frustrating situations in your life that should be a tornado storm for your direction. And in some way, shape, or form, he brings peace there. All right, I'm by myself. So when it says the gospel of peace, what is the gospel? The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ satisfying God's wrath. Boom. Giving us victory. That's the content of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. But then we have the, the, uh, what the gospel does. Romans 1, 16. What's interesting is that it says the gospel is the power of God. What is the power of God? God's omnipotent. That's his, he's all-powerful. Now, God utilizes the gospel as a way of localizing the omni. The everywhereness of God in a message, I mean the, the all-powerfulness of God in a message without it being different things that you have to utilize to experience his power. If it's the, not a power of God. The gospel isn't a power of God, it's the power of God. Let me see if I can make it plain. So my mama used to have a bunch of pills. Yeah, zinc, you know, she had, what she got? A and D and C, oh, I mean, calcium, baby, cal all them things, just pills. So finally they came out with a multivitamin. And they took all them pill bottles and put it in one pill. So that when she took that one pill, everything she was trying to do to get what she needed was put in one pill so that when she swallowed that one pill, she got everything out of it that she was trying to get out of all of those bottles God put in one thing. Well, the gospel is God's multivitamin pill by which he takes everything that we're in need of in our life by his power through the gospel. And when you swallow the glory of the gospel, you swallow the empowerment of God's ability to make happen in your life that which cannot happen. So when we talk about peace, <laughs> there are three, three types of peace. Three types of peace. But before we get to the three types of peace, in order to have the three types of peace, you got to have the one who brings peace. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 1-6, let's take it slow. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. His name now, not names, plural. Anyway, injected in his name is Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. There it is. Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the author and controller of peace. Meaning... There is no place else to get peace but in Jesus. Let, let me say that. Somebody did not get it. I know it's simple, but there is no other place to get it but in Jesus. You can shoot up heroin. You can take a swiggy swig. You can smoke some skunk weed. Oh, don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And you can go on a trip. 
You can go on a long trip and get everything you want. You can get the best hotel room you want. You can get the best room service. You can get a butler. You can get a maid. You can have steaks. You can have shrimp. You can have all different types of food, exotic foods and vegetables and things. And the sun can be shining and the water can be blue and green with black sands. But without Jesus, you're just in a good environment, but you still... Peace. So what are the types of peace? What is the types of peace? Number one, <clears throat> positional peace. He ha it has been done in your life. Peace with God in Christ. Bible says we are justified by faith and we have peace with God. That's important. Because what Satan will try to do is Satan makes you think God isn't for you. And what you have to remind yourself when you deal with peaceless situations is that there's no beef between you and God because of what Jesus has done. Somebody need to hear this. This is the teaching part. You got to grab it. Positional peace. Because Satan loves to talk to you when you go through because that's when you're the most vulnerable. And so he thinks at that point, he can slide you a Mickey real quick. But if you don't have anything in your life planted on the inside of you to remind you positionally where you are with God, he'll make you think because of what's happening to you, God isn't for you. But the good thing about it is you have to be reminded of the fact that you have peace with God. What's happening to you is not because God hates you. What's happening to you is not because God doesn't like you. What's happening to you is not because God has a vendetta against you. I can't explain everything that happens to you, but what I can know is God is still committed to you. Huh. Next slide. Positional peace has been done. Peace with other believers in unity. Uh-oh. Positionally, I didn't say practically. Peace is actually God secured it through Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, why is this important? Because one of the ways that the devil loves to mess up churches is making us disagree with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Or not making us, but using our disagreements as a way to destroy God's church. Yeah. And so what we focus on is our disagreements, not what Christ has secured. Because if you go back to the scriptures and see the wisdom that attain to the unity of the faith, if you look in there and it says be of one mind, if, if churches would begin to look at a biblical understanding of unity instead of just the mere disagreement, you can deal with the disagreement if you're committed to unity. But if the church isn't committed to unity, there'll be divisiveness, there'll be cattiness, there'll be, the, the, like, I like the way James says, biting and devouring one another maligning one another, slandering one another, talking about the devil's in all of that. The devil's in all of that. Let me talk to you, tell you what you need to pray for this person about. And really, it's a gossip session. The devil's in all of that. The devil's into a word getting back to somebody else. This was said about another person, and then that person feels some type of way, and then they talk with their crew, and then they feel some type of way about the person and the crew not knowing where it came from. And the next thing you know, I feel this way about the leadership, and I feel this way about the church. Now I don't like the church because church people don't like this. So now people that haven't hurt you have become casualties of your emotional 
the frustration, even though it has nothing to do with the experience of that one person or that little group of people. That's, that's, that's the devil. It's the devil. He loves that. He's like, yes, I got them hating each other. Yes, I, there's no peace in the church. Yes, they're about to kick the pastor out. Yes, uh, that person's about to go out in the sin. Yes, this person's vying for leadership. Yes, this person's about titles. And he's just like, I just love it. I can leave now. I'll see y'all later. Because you're doing this job for him. The devil loves this unity. But the church has remember, we're unified in Jesus. Next one. Next one. Peace within your own mind. Uh-oh. The Bible says, this is positional now. I'm going to get to practical. It's, you're positionally already mentally at peace. The Bible says peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So that means you already have it. The question is not do you have it, are you accessing it? We're going to talk about how to access it in a minute. We're going to talk about how to access Y'all still checking with me today? And so, so, so right here, a Satan moves on your mind. But, but, but you have to always remember, you have to tell yourself, I have peace with God. And I have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. You got to keep telling yourself that. Positional peace. Let's go to the next one. He tried to move on David's heart. Let's go to the next one. Practical peace. Peace in our emotions. The Bible says, and we're going to go back to this later, but it's going to talk about how to get peace in our emotions. I want to go through it practically in a second because I, I got an assignment for you this week. Satan attacks you with anxiety and uncertainty. Anxiety and uncertainty comes from you trying to fix the complexities in your life without Jesus. Whenever you're thinking in your insomnia about all you have to do and how you're going to create a solution for it, guess what happens? You get anxious. Why do you get anxious? Because you weren't made as a believer to fix stuff on your own. So anxiety is a godly trigger to help you to put your dependence on the living God. <laughs> Next one. <clears throat> Peacemaking with other believers where there is a breach. Uh-oh. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Satan loves you to keep holding stuff against people for a long time. And you know, you do secret Facebook posts. You know, some people, I know folk out there that, quick poll everybody. You know how we do, right? Because we haven't gotten over it, so we're preoccupied with nurturing the demonic commentary about what God wants you to get over. Oh, I can stay there until Jesus come back. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Peace through the ministry of reconciliation and evangelism. I'm going to come back to this um, in a few weeks because we're going to talk about the reality of the fact that there are territorial spirits. Satan will make you fearful of sharing the gospel. And so you should know that you have the ability to invoke peace and judgment. 
We're going to come back and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But I want to precursor you to this right now. Next one. Next slide. <sighs> Practical peace. Peace through engaging the systems of the world. We'll talk about that in our experience. In Jeremiah 29, 3 through 6, we're going to talk about that. Next one. Next one. Then you'll have permanent peace. Go to the next one. We get permanent peace from the penalty of sin, from the presence of sin. <clears throat> next one. Putting on peace. So how do you put it on? Be careful of what you feed yourself. It's practical stuff. What are you feeding yourself? If you ask yourself, are you feeling some kind of way and you're not feeling right spiritually, you feeling breath, all that? Ask yourself what you've been reading. What type of eight-minute, ten-minute videos you've been watching on YouTube? If you've been watching trash, you can't eat trans fats, carbs, and sugar all day and then try to run a marathon. But if you feed yourself the right stuff, then guess what? You'll have more energy. Some of us, our spiritual energy is sapped because we, we eat mess visually. So we're watching videos about this, this, that, and the third. We're watching caddy videos. We're watching reality TV. Oh, it's not affecting me. Oh, I'm spiritually mature enough for this not to affect me. I'm okay. You know, you're going to see, you, you binging on certain Netflix things. That, and I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to tell you what to watch or what to listen to. I'm just telling you that, that if you want godly results, you can't keep eating the same thing and expecting God to make that into a good meal for your soul. You can't do that. You know, you're on social media. You, you, you like it when comments get catty. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> and you all up in the comments. You know how we do. We, 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 we put the famous Michael Jackson meme from Thriller in there. I'm just here for the comments. <laughs> AKA, I'm messy. <laughs> Unhealthy criticism and negativity. You ever have somebody in your life? No, let's make this. You. Don't ever have nothing good to say about anybody or anything. And you're constantly like on the, on, on, on the pessimistic side on everything in your life. You, you know what? That, 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 that affects you putting on peace. You got unhealthy relationships. Some of us are fool magnets. Don't get mad at me. Even Proverbs starts off with who you hang with. And before you can even get wise, you got a clean house. It's the whole first chapter is almost about hanging out with fools. So if you want to get wisdom, you got to fear God first, then get rid of fools. That's the next thing in the point that Solomon said. Amen. Unbiblical conversations. Uh-oh. Let me ask you something. Does the Bible influence what you say? I'm just, just real simple. Do you have verses? Do you, do, you, do you think through what you're going to say, how it's going to affect people before you open your mouth? 
do, do, do you have like, you just need to do, yeah, mouth with the F. You, do, 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 have you ever even just took out a concordance and put mouth scriptures, oh, just, just, just copy and paste it into a Word document and just use the next year of devotions on shutting your mouth at the right time, opening your mouth at the right time, knowing what to say. Because see, I'm going to tell you, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So if all you have coming out is negative stuff, the reason why it's negative is because you don't walk in biblical peace. And what happens is you are nothing but a spewer of division, a spewer of challenge. And God wants more for you in your life than that. I can tell when I'm getting real negative. I can feel it too. Because <clears throat> my friends will be like, they'll change the subject on me. I got good friends. They'll like change the subject. Like I got a friend, I, I can tell when I'm getting a little negative. He'll say, man, I'm sure glad what the Lord is doing in Yvette's life. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm going to knock his teeth out of his mouth. But he gave me a little light rebuke. Like, Negro, uh, you know, I want to say something. Else. He's like, Negro, like, quit complaining and being negative. All God done in this year and in your life. Why are you talking? Just, oh, God, move on. You need people in your life to get those light rebukes. Amen. Amen. Um, things that take you backwards and living things God has moved you on from. Though, though, that's, that's how you fight the enemy with peace is you begin to say, I'm not gonna let myself go backwards anymore. Next slide. Next slide. <clears throat> Putting on peace. You will keep the mind in perfect peace that is dependent on you and trusting in you. Listen, what is your mind on? This is gonna be real practical. What is your mind on majority of the time? Okay, I'm gonna give you another verse because y'all not gonna believe me. Go to the next one. This is how you put on peace. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, look here, dwell. Let me ask you a question. If you took a percentage of your day and you rated your mind, how much of this percentage would your mind be during your daily experience? Is it 80% foolishness? No, that's, you know how we do. Is it 5% this? And 95% other stuff. What I want you to do is I want you to begin to rate your thought life this week. Rate it. Rate it this week. Are you fighting daily to be truthful in your mind? Because the devil will put lies in your mind. Are you, are, are you committed to being honorable? You don't need the Greek word for honor. Are, 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 you, are, you, are you pursuing being just? 
Do you pursue purity in your mind? Or is your mind in the gutter all the time? Uh-oh. Are you pursuing things that are lovely, commendable, moral excellence? Is, your, is our minds filled with praiseworthy things? Can God visit your mind and sit down and have a cup of coffee, tea, smoothie with you and be okay if your thoughts were people, what would they look like with you sitting down with God and them walking past y'all? It says literally dwell on these things. So what I want us to do this week, I want us to put on our sandals. Say, God, I'm going to fight to be true this week. And then I'm going to try to, I'm going to fight to neglect, not neglect, uh, I'm going to fight to deflect negative. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. You know, get some aromatherapy and, you know, clear your mind. And what is the first thought that comes to you? I'm not talking about that mess. Because the Bible never tells you to clear your mind. It says, have your mind transformed. Implant in your mind. So I want you and I, because I'm including me. Many of us, many of us focus on when something negative happens, we want to get more intel on it. But I want us to do intel on truth this week. I want us to do, instead of the videos that you'd normally veg out on, look at them and say, man, how is this treating my soul? I know it's entertaining, but let me take a week and just do praiseworthy stuff. Some people getting rescued, not people getting knocked out. I'm just trying to be practical today, y'all. I'm done. I'm done. Father. Father God. Um, what you've done for us in Christ makes no sense, but so much sense. God, I'm um, excited that we get to be accosted and encouraged to fight. Now, this week, we're going to spend our time beginning the process of feeding ourselves the things that make for peace. <clears throat> Lord God, Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord. Um, you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give, and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.